Hello and welcome back to Torsky Tuesdays. I'm your host, Hananya Abraham, and we are recording episode 26. We are on page 24 of Happiness and the Human Spirit by Dr. Abraham J. Torsky. We are on page 74 and we are about to start Compassionate Parenting. Uh, we did have a lot of feedback on uh, episode going back. I think it was about two or three episodes ago, talking about the concepts of repression and suppression and the difference between the two. Um, I'd recommend you going back and listening to that again. Um, it was from pages 47 and 48 um, about the concepts of, a, of the ability to choose... And I th- and a better choice was the specific topic. I believe it was episode 17. I will go with that number for now. If it's different, I will let you know either in the description or in the next recording. Basically, the concepts of suppression and repression could be very different depending on different traumas, different different experiences that someone might go through, maybe at different ages. Could be specific regarding anger, uh, regarding how to deal with a loved one, how to deal with a sick child. When not sure, when in doubt of when a person going through something of repression, there is a lot that a person can hide that can really be a big difference in how they might be acting out later in different types of situations. But suppression is something that is by choice, that I'm suppressing a certain feeling because this situation, talking back to a parent, talking back to a boss, is not something that is important for right now. And I think that concepts in general maybe um, is something that we can talk about more in detail. But I'm just clarifying the point of the difference between suppression and repression, understanding also the importance of if you are not sure, when in doubt, this is this is a guidance podcast. This is not a in place of therapy, and I would recommend speaking to someone that has the skill set to help assist with how to deal with repression of certain thoughts or traumatic events. So, continuing on over here with compassionate parenting. Compassion can be a biological trait. It can be seen as the maternal care of animals for their young. Animals teach their young how to look for food and how to avoid predators. Mother bears teach their cubs how to look for food, and when cubs are able to fend for themselves, a mother bear leads them into the forest and takes off, essentially abandoning them. Nature has provided a maternal instinct that, in the end, helps the cubs to become self-sufficient. Animal parenting is for survival and nothing more. Parental compassion is present in the biology of humans as well. Parents may take, may make many sacrifices for their children and even give away their lives to preserve their, their child's life. This is certainly a heartwarming trait, but since it is of biological nature and is present in animals as well, it is not the component for spirituality. As wonderful as parental love for a child may be, it does not necessarily lead to self-fulfillment and happiness in a human being. It's a very good point. Because why? The, 
I think sometimes what happens as well is there's a certain parent, parental living vicariously through their child, which is not something that should be done at any point. A child is a unique individual that we are given the responsibility to take care of, whether you believe in a higher power and understand that they are on loan for us to take care of for God, whether you just believe in an afterlife, or even if you don't believe in an afterlife, the concept of another human being as its own entity, I think, is very, very important when it comes to parenting and realizing that each to their own. And our job is to take care of that child, specifically for what that child needs. If someone is building a um, some sort of garden, you're not going to treat every flower and every bush the same. Everyone needs to be treated differently. Even you could have two of the same exact flower, but it's still done differently if it's going to be different shade, if it's going to be different water sources. There are so many different things that come into play that it's important to know that there's a difference. There is, however, parental compassion that is uniquely human, a compassion that is spiritual. When parents give priority time to take a serious interest in a child's life and enable the child to become the best person he or she can be, that is spiritual compassion. So when you're doing something that's quote-unquote selfless and it's for the child, that's where spirituality can be of benefit. If a busy parent tells me, I would love to spend more time with my children, but I just don't have the time. My office is virtually a 24-7 operation. I tell the parent the final anecdote, and I'm not sure if you're able to notice it, but I had a certain little extra attitude in my voice here because I hear it so often, and I think it's such a tragedy, and it's it's murder of the day when you don't give the opportunity to your children to have an opportunity to spend time with them. And I think sometimes when parents do this, it's more because of they are scared of how they would be a role model and a help to their child. So the anecdote goes like this. A man drove up to a motel that had a no vacancy, no my gosh, wow, no vacancy sign and asked for a room. The clerk said, didn't you see the no vacancy sign? We're full. The man said, you mean to tell me that if the President of the United States were to come here, you would not have a room for him? The clerk replied, uh, the clerk replied well, we do have something to accommodate the President. Good. The President is not coming. You can give me his room. Similarly, we need to make room for our children. And he puts the room in parentheses because it's sad that we have to say it that way. But sometimes it is important that you have a set time put aside for your child, even though economic pressures demand much of our time. Parents who do not spend time with their children, even if that time away from the children allows them to earn more money to provide for the children's wants and needs, are sending a subtle, uh, a nonverbal message of what can I buy, what what I can buy for you is more important than what I can give you of myself as a parent. I have never heard people in the last days of their life say, "My one regret is that I did not spend more time in the office." I guess what I think about when I, when, I, when I read this regarding the concept of spending more time with my children, you know, having been through grad school, having to travel over two hours each way to go to grad school, having been in situations where jobs were at crazy hours throughout the days and nights and weekends, 
I would think of the Kratz in the Cradle, you know, the 1972, 73 song uh, by Harry Shapin um, talking about, uh, you know, Kratz in the Cradle and how you don't want it to, to go past you in a way where uh, you're not going to have any more time to spend with your child until it's too late. Um, and that song plays in my head. I think every single time I think about it, you know, I have, you know, wanting to wanting to spend more time is something that we should all want to do. Sometimes we feel like, you know, let me just take a nap. I'm off this weekend. Let me just take a nap and then I'll, I'll play with my child later. No, I think the nap can wait, but your child can't. Because eventually you'll have more time to nap, but you won't have more time to spend with your child. And I think that line is a good line to say again. My one regret is that I did not spend more time with the at the office, said no one ever. Their regret is invariably for not spending more time with the family. A key factor to compassionate parenting is providing a listening ear for children. And I would add to that a non-judgmental form of listening. There are many situations that our children are going to go through that we might not understand, we might not like, we might not even approve. But sometimes it's, they don't need our approval. They just need an ear. And that's so important for how we go about raising our children. That they feel that they can always come to us. Which is hopefully a house that we all want to have. A place where a child can always come back to. Did you know that a research study in which hundreds of families were interviewed and numerous details were recorded, concluded that the most outstanding characteristics of no-children-problem families was the frequency with which the families shared meals together. The research found that the family mealtime created a sense of belonging and allowed parents to remain aware of what is going on with their children. Incidentally, the children and frequent mealtime together families developed more extensive vocabularies at an earlier age and scored two to three grade levels higher on standard reading and language tests. He brings this study done in uh, 1997 titled Family Meals May Prevent Teen Problems by Bowden and Zies. This is found, this is done through the American Psychological Association by the APA. Again, like I mentioned in 1997. Phenomenal study. I have read many similar ones where the show that family bonding time creates a, a unity amongst all the family members and how beneficial it could be for their de- development in both scholastic, social, and, and familial values. Just as spirituality means being the best person we can be, so too does spiritual parenting mean helping children become the best they can be. That means listening with our full attention so we can understand our children and recognize the unique ways in which each child is, is endowed. One, then, will be, only then, will we be able to help our children maximize their uniqueness. When we understand what they need, will we be able to go out and help them for their situation? I know a family, continues Dr. Torsky, in which both parents are intellectuals and one of their sons follows in their footsteps. They are proud of the son. The other son is below average academically and is bored to death by school. However, he is a mechanical genius. He loves to tinker with things and he can take apart and reassemble the most complex machines. The parents are distraught 
that he has no desire to excel academically, and they do not conceal their disappointments in him. It's so sad and so unfortunate. This is not spiritual parenting because their goal for their children is what pleases them rather than what is optimum for their child. Just as adults need to be self-fulfilled to be happy, so do children. And they should not be forced to be doing anything that they don't want to do. Yes, of course, there's a concept of structure, a concept of being able to be in the classroom and be able to be around others that are like them in social environments. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to do A, B, and C in order to be, uh, to be accepted. So today we, we were talking about the concepts. Well, we started with suppression and repression, and I think that's something that uh, can be looked into more. Again, I think it's episode 17 that we talk about that. But we're, our focus today was on children and how when us being able to be parents for the child, whereas uh, the famed and one of my favorite uh, people to, you know, to talk about on this subject is Rabbi Samson uh, Rafal Hirsch, who lived in the 1800s, talking about this concept of children, says that God gave us children to go ahead and watch over for him. Uh, something that uh, resonates with me personally, and I think it's uh, uh, the moral standard of they are their own being, and we need to make sure that they are taken care of for what they need. Imagine if every doctor in the emergency room treated all the patients the same. They would never get better. Maybe one would, but not all of them, because everyone needs to be done differently. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. This, we just concluded episode 26. Any questions or comments, please reach out to koshercounseling at gmail.com.